welcome to this week's sermon from C3 Church Narara. We hope you enjoy this message from Pastor Ruth Browning. For more information or to contact us, visit c3church.narara.net. Hallelujah. Father, thank you so much for your anointing, for your presence. Thank you for your Holy Spirit who moves through us and moves in our heart and helps us to move forward with you every day, Lord God. We look to you. We thank you for your word and we thank you for each other. Amen. Come on, give someone a high five. Praise God. Hallelujah. Well, I actually think this is the last in the series of Christianity 101 in a way because we were going to do it earlier. This morning I'm speaking about being zealous for God. God is a zealous God. Who knows that? He's very zealous. Isaiah chapter 9 and verse 6, you'll recognise this, some of you. This verse says, Unto us a child is born, and unto us a son is given. His name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. So this is talking about the the very centre of Christianity, that Jesus came. Jesus came and was born for us on Christmas. And then it says, and I've never really noticed this, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. I always knew that God sent his son Jesus for us because he loves us. He loves us so much. But that verse really spoke to me about how zeal is a part of love. That when we love someone, we are zealous. It's an important side of love. God loves us, so he's passionate about us. He's devoted to us. He's excited about us. And God wants us to be a zealous people as well. Just zealous for him. In love with him passionate about him, passionate about his ways, passionate about church. It's the only way to live, being on fire. Who wants to be boring? Who wants to be ordinary? No way. John Wesley famously said this. Just got to read this quote. Am I ignitable? God Deliver me from the dread asbestos of other things. Saturate me with the oil of the Spirit that I may be aflame. So asbestos must have been around in those days. So even then they didn't like it. And now even more so. Am I, deliver me from the dread, you know, and we, we used to play with asbestos. Who remembers that when we were at school? We all had asbestos mats. Who had an asbestos mat? I mean, you know, we just had a mat that was made of asbestos that we used to use for, you know. And uh, (laughs) so, you know, everyone had asbestos in those days. But it turns out that it's not such a good thing. And um, it was, but it was good for stopping fire. It was good for, that's why we had it. Because, you know, otherwise we'd use our Bunsen burner to light things. And so, you know, we had to get rid of the asbestos in our life. And, and, you know, it stops the fire. He says, saturate me with the oil of a spirit that I may be a flame. He wants to be on fire for God. I don't want to be, I don't want to be, I, want, I don't want to be just like asbestos, just, just stopping the fire and sort of dull and ordinary and then, as it turns out, dangerous. 
who knew. So deliver me from that. We need to be zealous. Romans 12, 11, it says, Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor, serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. So there it just says, never be lacking in zeal. So it's interesting that that first two sentences, they mix a few words there. Never be lacking in zeal. That word there is slow or slothful. Never be slow in, in zeal. Now, zeal's sort of twice in this passage because that word there is diligence. So don't be slow and slothful in diligence, but be zealous in the spirit. That's another way of translating that. Be zealous in the spirit. So it's like he just says it. Just don't be like that. Don't be slothful. Don't be slow. But be zealous. Be zealous in your spirit. And it's a command. It's not an option. It's a command. And it was interesting just looking at the words in both the Old Testament and the New Testament for zeal. And the word is actually zeo or zealous, Z-E-L-O-S. It's a Greek word. So we just took that Greek word and translated it straight into the English. We just said, that'll do. We'll use that. There's a lot of words in our language that come straight out of the word of God, out of the, out of the Greek New Testament. And so we use the word zealous. Zealous means zealous. But interestingly, the exact same word zealous, and you know, depending on the tense, zeo, zealous, zealot, or whatever, is translated in many instances as jealous. And I did all this research and, and in, the, in the New Testament and it's the same word. There's no difference whatsoever. And you can, you can hear that, jealous, zealous. It's the same word. It's the same word, which I thought was really interesting. And, and so the, the translators, the, in English, we love lots of words in English. English is all, we're always making more and more words. So we've made two words where they had one. We're making jealous and zealous. The Greeks just had the word jealous, zealous. And we just use the context. So if we're saying I'm zealous, you know, I'm jealous that my husband's kissing another woman, you could easily say I'm zealous that he's kissing another woman. It's the same word exactly in the Greek. And you can see that if you look it up. So that, that, that gives us a, a sense of what that word means. That, that heat, that discomfort that I would feel, and I have never experienced this, I'm very glad to let you know, of seeing my husband kiss another woman. He, he nearly, I, I tell you what, he nearly, he nearly did grab one, one particular girl who looked a bit like me. He nearly, he thought, you know, beautiful Amy, I don't know if Amy's here, she looks a bit like me, or she do, used to, when, you know, back in the day. From behind, he thought it was me, nearly went to give her a hug, and went, whoa, 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 wrong, wrong woman, wrong woman. <laughs> so he didn't. But uh, we've all had that experience, I'm sure we've nearly grabbed the wrong person. But he didn't. And if he had and I'd seen it, I probably would have felt jealous and zealous. And so zealous is connected to love. If you see someone you love kissing the wrong person or, or, or doing the wrong thing, there's like a, it's like, a, oh, it's almost, it's sort of an anger. It's love. It's anger. It's heat. And that's how we feel. And that's how God feels about us. When he sees us loving something else, it's, it's jealous, it's anger, it's love, it's, it's, a, it's zeal. That's what it is. He is zealous for us. He is jealous for us. And that's how we are toward God. We are zealous for him. We are jealous for him. We are jealous for our own self to stay pure and true just to him. So this is the way that God wants us to, to be, zealous for him, jealous to stay close to him. And in Titus 2.14, we see this. Jesus gave himself for us that he might redeem us from every lawless deed and purify for himself his own special people, zealous 
for good works. That's great, isn't it? That we are zealous for good works. We want to do good things because we love our good God. We're zealous. So how do we get zealous? How do we just get zealous? Because the Bible, I love the way the Bible just says, be zealous, be holy. It just assumes that you can be, which we can be because we have God in us. But I thought that perhaps a good way of, of going there is to just talk a little bit about the concept of hot and cold because that word zeal, it has within it that concept of heat. And uh, I'm very conscious of hot and cold. I get very cold in my upper body, but my lower part of my body doesn't get cold at all. So Chris is the exact opposite. So that, that is interesting in marriage. I think we've discussed this before. But I don't get cold feet. I, I remember once in my life I got cold feet. I'd been standing on the snow in Denmark for about half an hour in shoes like this. And I remember going, oh, Oh my, oh, my feet feel a bit cold. Well, how about that? I mean, it's literally on the snow. So, you know, I suddenly noticed the concept of cold. But my upper body gets cold all the time. But Chris is the opposite. He has freezing cold feet. And they're cold all the time, I've discovered. But his normal body is, is fine. So, your torso, this part of your body. No, no, I'm, that's, no, whatever. So, we won't have a fight. But, you know, you've got to know if you're hot or cold, don't you? I mean, you know if you're feeling hot or cold. And we're all a little bit different. But we need to know where we're at. And there are actually, believe it or not, things you can do. Let me just for a, for a minute recommend two doonas. I'm going to actually, I'm really into this. The one queenside doona, forget it. We did that for like forever, for our whole marriage. And then about two years ago, I, I learned that all of Europe used two dunas. It's the best. You can have a hot doona and a cold doona. You can snuggle up in your own doona. You can pull the doona off. And, and he can do his own thing with the doona. It's the best. You've got to get into it. Honestly, it's changed our marriage. I love it so much. I just love it. So I can snuggle up in my own little doona and I'm in my own little cocoon of warmth and he can throw his off and it doesn't affect me. But for 25 years, it was... Pull and shove, and I don't want it. Well, I do. Well, I'm hot. I'm cold, and I like to stick my feet out the end because it's too hot. And he's like, I've got to cover my feet. My feet are freezing. So this is, you know. So sometimes you've got to do what you've got to do for yourself. And when it comes to being zealous for God, you need to know how you get zealous, and you've got to switch it on. I can't switch it on for you. If you're not feeling full on for God, that's on you, not on me. Okay. You can't say, well, the pastor's not making me full on for God. You can't say, well, this church, you know, it's not doing it for me. I, I, don't, I don't know. I don't like it. I don't, I, I don't know. We, I mean, it's all very exciting to get a new building. We are all very excited last week. And now this week, it's like, hey, you know, <laughs> hey, a new roof. It doesn't last, does it? You know, because it's not about a building. We've got to be zealous for God because we're zealous for God. We can't keep building a new auditorium every week, you know. So, so this is what you do. This is what I do to get warm. This is how I do it. And so I'm going to sort of relate this to getting zealous for God. The first thing is that you just put on more clothes. That's a very simple way for me to get warm. It's a simple way for Chris to... The shoe issue is very, very interesting. We've got... Sometimes I'm going to tell you a little secret. He wears two sets of socks in winter. And he's got Russian boots that have got fur in the inside. So you've got to do this. I don't have to do this, but he does. So, so you've got to figure this out. So... God does this. Isaiah 59, 17. He put on the garments of vengeance and wrapped himself in zeal as in a cloak. He wrapped himself in zeal. He just put it on. 
Just put it on. You can, you can actually do this. You know, you can all see this pretty dress that I've got. Uh, my friend Kiralee gave me this dress. She's really into shopping and she'd bought so many dresses she felt guilty. So she said, here, try this on. And I tried it on. She says, that looks great. You wear that. And then I don't feel so bad. I go, okay. I'll, I, and so she gave it to me. So I'm great. But I've got to put it on. It's, it's a little bit different from what I might wear. And you know how you can have clothes in your wardrobe you just never put on? You know those ones? Give them away. Okay, they're not meant to be in there. But, but we have clothes and we never put them on or you get a new dress and you're like, nah, I won't wear it. It's like, why not? Just put it on. Wear it. Put it on. And it's like that with zeal. God wraps himself in zeal. He just puts it on. And we have to do that. We just have to wake up and go, I'm going to put it on. I'm just going to put on that zeal. And you might think, is that fake? Well, no, it's not. Once you put it on, it's real. I'm really wearing this dress. You know what I'm saying? Just put on the zeal. Just get up in the morning and decide, I'm full on. Because the Bible says that. It says that he has made us a zealous people. Just put on this, get up in the morning and decide to pray. Just go, right, I'm going to get straight on my knees and pray because I love to pray. It's like, do you? Yes, I do. I'm going to read the Bible because I love reading the Bible. Do you? Yes, I do. Just decide that you do. Do you see what I mean? We're so complicated about things, but we can just make decisions to be full on. Now look at Revelations chapter 3 and verse 19. talks a little bit about this issue of being hot and cold. It says this. He's talking to the different churches. And he talks to the church in Laodicea. And he says, I know your works. You're neither hot nor cold. I wish you were hot or cold. But you're neither. You're lukewarm. You're not hot. You're not cold. So I'm going to spit you out of my mouth. You say, I'm rich. I'm wealthy. I have everything I need. And you don't realize that you are wretched, miserable, poor, blind, and naked. I counsel you to buy gold refined in the fire that you may, you may be rich and in white garments that you may be clothed. And then verse 19, as many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. Therefore, be zealous and repent. Now, that's interesting. So we've got this hot and cold issue again, and we've got people that don't even know that they're not hot, which is stupid. We need to know where we're at. We need to know physically if we're hot or cold, and we need to know spiritually if we're hot and cold. And these people have deceived themselves and said, no, 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 I'm fine, we're fine, we're fine. It's like, no, be real about where you're at. Know whether you're on fire for God or not. And then he says this, he says, be zealous and repent. So there it's interesting again that, that the concept of zeal is now connected with repentance. Just, just change. Repentance is, if you, if you speak French, it's from, the, it's from a French word to think again. Just think again. Turn around, just go, okay, no. No, I'm, I'm going to change. I'm going to decide to be different. And we have that capacity. God has given every single person, everyone here, the ability to repent. It was, Chris was talking about it before. And it's simply going, I'm going to change. It's simply changing your mind. It's going from, oh, I don't think I'll go to church. Yes, I will. I'll go to church. We can do that. It's free will. Our will is free. There's nothing that stops us from making the right decision. Sometimes people try to say, oh, no, no, I can't make the right decision because I've got, you know, my history or my, my parents or my genetics or I've got a chemical imbalance or I've got this or I've got that. And people try to excuse themselves 
from making the right decisions. But actually, free will is always free. It's always free. No matter what has gone on in your past, no matter what chemistry you've got, no matter how you feel, you have the capacity to make the right decision. You must, because otherwise God is unfair in judging us for making the wrong decision. So you have that capacity. And so it says, be zealous and repent. Decide to wear the right clothes. Stir up your zeal. Just stir it up and, and decide, I am going to be hot if you've been cold. Just make that decision. Now, I know that some people um, perhaps feel a little bit unsure about, about zeal because I guess we've all seen people that are zealous in a weird way. And we don't, we sort of, I think sometimes we get a bit turned off by, by weird people. And I was encouraged to read that there's a few scriptures that, that deal with this issue. Romans 10.2, I can testify about them that they are zealous for God, but their zeal is not based on knowledge. And Paul also says, I was advanced in Judaism beyond many of my own age and was extremely zealous for the traditions of my fathers. But he, he goes on to say, but my, my zeal was not wise. It wasn't, it wasn't good. Galatians 4.18, these people are zealous to win you over, but for no good. It's fine to be zealous, providing the purpose is good. So there's just a little bit there which I find encouraging that God, when, when we talk about zeal for God, we're not talking about lacking wisdom. In fact, on the contrary, should be zealous to get wise, zealous to, to figure out what does this look like, zealous for good works. That includes preaching the gospel. That includes being bold and maybe witnessing to someone at Cole's checkout. You know, when they say, what, what, what are you doing this weekend? Go to the bowl, come on, say, I'm going to church. Oh, are you? And see where that conversation leads. There's a little bit of a boldness there, a little bit of a stepping out over the line. And you might, you know, who knows how bold you'll get. I, I heard of a guy, I, I love a story that comes out of Bethel about someone who, who did something like that. And then the person said, oh, I've got a sore, a sore leg at the checkout. And so they said, they said, well, do you want me to pray? And the person got healed at the checkout. And, so they, and then, and then they, someone else said, well, can, I, can you pray for me? I need to get healed. And someone else got healed at the checkout in the line. And then, this is true, they actually announced it over the thing. I don't know what was going on, but if anyone wants healing, come to aisle two, checkout two. And they, were, they had a little, like, a little mini revival in Coles. It was wherever it was in, in America. So... I mean, you've got to be bold. Who knows where this boldness will go? But we're wise and we're sensible, but we're not. You see, some people are so wise and sensible, they say they never do that sort of stuff. So you, this is the thing. It's like, okay, God, what does this look like? To be zealous, to be full on, but to be wise, to have great character, to be, to be mature in God. And, and we need to be zealous to find out what that looks like. And God will show us. So it's not, not that difficult. Wisdom and zeal, zeal go together. So... Number one, clothe yourselves. Clothe yourselves in zeal. Just do it. It's not that complicated. Number two, this is how to get zealous for God. This is what I do when I want to get warm. Another simple way of getting warm is get close to the fire. It's very simple, isn't it? Turn on the heat. Turn, like clothing first for all of you under 30. It, it, costs money so you can just put a jumper on like I don't know if that's an over 40 thing or if it's when you're in your own home or something but put a jumper on first so clothe yourself but then sometimes you know that's just not enough so you put the fire and put the gas put whatever it is you know 
make the fire. And so you need to know what, what inspires me, who or what inspires me, who or what heats me up. Because sometimes I've, I'm, I'm really, I'm, I'm putting it on, but I'm still feeling a bit flat or whatever. And you need to know where do I go to be fired up? And we all need someone or something to fire us up. My, my beautiful Bethany is a worshipper. She's more of a, a worshipper naturally than me. And, I, and she, she just has to go and worship. She's feeling down or flat. She's always like, I've got to sing, I've got to sing. Sometimes I come home and the whole house is like this worship house. She's got the music blaring. And she, that, that fires her to worship the Lord. What fires you up? What, because when we get flat, when the asbestos of everyday life flattens us and bores us down... And believe me, you don't want to. Lead. I mean, one reason to be zealous is it's just more interesting. Who wants to lead a boring life? Who wants to lead a flat life? Or a, you know, it's it's more fun to be on fire for God and to stay on fire for God. But you need to know what what inspires you. Um, you know, it can be just a particular. Sometimes some people don't, and that's okay. You know, we go to conferences, all these different preachers, and and some of them just oh wow, and others yeah, you know, that's great but it's not so exciting. That's okay. But go to the wow one for you and keep going there until you feel that fire, until you, you catch what they've got and know who, that, know who it is. If I tell you right now, where do you go? Who do you go to? Or how, what do you do to fire you up? I love to read the Bible and pray, but I, I need other people. And I've got one of my favorite guys, C.T. Studd. This is the guy that I read this book, this exact copy of the book, this is why I covered it in plastic because I love it, when I was at university and I'd been a bit flat and someone gave me this book and I read this guy and he just fired me up. I may have spoken about him before, C.T. Studd. Oh, just so excited me. I wanted to tell you a little bit about him because he, he fires me up. He was born in about 1888, I think, and he was from a very wealthy upper-class family. And uh, his father walked into a D.L. Moody, Dwight Moody, who was a famous evangelist in the day. His father walked in and, and was converted. And then his sons were converted. He had several sons, and Charles was one of them. And he went to Eton, of course, the most expensive private school. And then he went on to study at Trinity College, Cambridge. But, but he got converted as well. But after he got converted, he wasn't that full on. He was a little bit, a little bit cruisy, partly because he was extremely good looking and extremely talented. He was clever and he was very, very good at cricket. And so he became very famous. And he actually got into the, all his brothers, all of them got into the Cambridge 11. And then they played for England. And he was in the English team and he was actually the final batsman, he didn't get out, but the other guy did, that played in, against Australia in 1882 when the first Ashes was created. They lost. And famously, the, the, the papers wrote an obituary to English cricket. And then in Australia, when they won the Ashes back, someone burnt that obituary and put it in a little urn, and that became the Ashes because they, they burnt the piece of the piece of paper. And he was, the guy, he was in that team. He was in the English team at the time. So he's very famous. And his name, actually, interestingly, is still on the little urn, because they wrote a poem on the urn. And his name and some of the other English, English um, players, their name is on there. So this guy is a very... He was, he was like... He was the guy. He was... They, everyone loved him. He was a very, very good all-rounder, one of the best... 
and very well known at the time and very, very popular. And, and so he, he had the fame, he had, it, he had it, he had everything going for him. He was rich, good looking, famous and he was the top of his sport in his country. But then something happened and he, his brother got very sick and he, it changed him and he realised, he said this, he said, I know that cricket would not last and honour would not last and nothing in this world would last but it was worthwhile living for the world to come. How could I spend the best years of my life for the honours of this world when thousands of souls are perishing every day? Something in his heart, he switched on the zeal of God and he was... He was blessed because it was partly because people were praying for him and because his brother got sick. And so he decided there and then that he would start to really get full on for God. His brother was full on for God, so he wanted to follow his example. And he started to tell his friends about Jesus. And he said this, I cannot tell you the joy it gave me to bring the first soul to the Lord Jesus Christ. I have tasted almost all the pleasures that this world can give. I do not suppose there is one that I have not experienced, but I can tell you that those pleasures were as nothing compared to the joy of the saving of that one first soul. Formerly, I had as much love for cricket as any man could have, but when the Lord Jesus came into my heart, I found I had something infinitely better than cricket. My heart was no longer in the game. I wanted to win souls for the Lord. I knew that cricket would not last, honour would not last, nothing in this world would last that was worth living for except the world to come. And so began his, his exciting journey of giving up everything he had and going off as a missionary for the Lord. So he and several of his mates, there was a revival in the university. They went off, they were famously called the Cambridge Seven. And he decided to go and, and be a missionary for Hudson Taylor in China. And while he was there, his father died. He was 25 and the Lord spoke to him about the rich young man who, who, had, who wouldn't give up his riches for the Lord. And he was very rich. And the, and the Lord spoke to him. Now, he doesn't necessarily do this for everyone, but he did speak to him and said, I want you to give it all away, <clears throat> your entire fortune. So I, worked, I did the maths. He gave away about $6 million of equivalent in Australian dollars. He just gave the whole bang lot away. And he went off to China and he served in China and then he served in India and then Africa. And finally in Africa, in China, by the way, he had four daughters. And I thought of Byron, he's got these four beautiful daughters, Byron and Sarah. And he said, the Lord gave me daughters in China so that the Chinese would learn to appreciate girls because that was a bit of a thing. So in the end of his life, he, he was in Africa and he, his wife was in England organising the, you know, the missionary side of things, the organisational side of things. So that was a, a great trial for them to be separated. But he just was this fiery guy who's so full on for God. I love this book. You should read it. It's very exciting. And I wanted to share it with you because he, t- he, really, he really inspired me. I'm going to read it again because I just started reading it and I was all like, oh, so excited, remembering that how he turned me on to zeal and it worked again. And his mate who worked with him said, his life will be an internal rebuke to easygoing Christianity. His life will be an eternal rebuke to easygoing Christianity. He would go anywhere and do anything. Would you? Would you, husbands and wives, would you leave one person in Australia and the other one in deepest, darkest Africa? Because that was what you had to do in those days. You know, it took a while to travel so that one of you could preach the gospel while the other one organised the finances. And that's where he died. That's where he, was, that's where he died in the end. They, they, he died there. 
Go to somewhere that puts you on fire. Someone like that, you read their story and you're just like, yes, I want, I remember I read that and I went, I want to be like this God. Seriously, I was just like, right, that's it. I was at university, I was studying arts law, I read the book, I went, right, 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 let's go, let's go. Okay, 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 I was so excited. I said, okay, God, I'll go, I'll go anywhere, I'll do anything. And he says, all right, finish your degree. I'm like, what? No, not that. <laughs> Anything but that, yeah, finish your degree. I remember being so irritated that I was ready to go to China and I had to finish my degree. So, but zeal is obedience. That's the thing. It's not just necessarily getting on a, tra- a plane and being unwise and just doing anything. It's, it's zeal for God. What we're doing, we're not being zealous for zealous' sake. We're not being zealous to look like crazy Christians. Our zeal is to bring glory to God. It's all about what God wants. And if God wants you to go to university and finish your degree and then have a church on the central coast, then that's what you do. If God wants you to be at home, you know, looking after your babies and doing it beautifully and with grace and loveliness and being a great wife, then that's what you do. It's whatever he wants you to do. If God wants you to go and build a house in Mexico, you do it. We're just zealous for him. We're zealous to seek him and obey him every day in every way. And we're open to to everything. And maybe our life looks very ordinary, but we're burning inside. Who's like that? He's like this nice person on the outside, but inside you're on fire and you're burning because it's like, I want more God. I want more God. All the time I think about him. I'm like, more, more, more. I want more. What can I do? I think about who can I witness to this week? I mean, the guys at Coles, I don't know if they're starting to get to know me, but I have witnessed to several of the checkout guys there, several of them. The last time was a really good one. We had a really good talk. We talked for a while and, uh, yeah, it was exciting. So, (laughs) So get on fire for God and finally move. Move. It warms you up. You put clothes on, you go to the fire, but just go for a run, just do something. And so that's my final point today is just get up and do it because as you're doing it, you're on fire. As you run, you find you warm up. It's, it's a very simple thing. If you get cold, you just run. It, you get warm very, very quickly. And, and Jesus was like this. He was passion, passionate about the house of God. It says zeal for his house consumed him. He was passionate about the house of God. So he did something, you know, he... He got up and whipped them all and got out all the bad they were were selling and doing things that annoyed him. So he got them all out of the temple. He got up and moved and he sensed that zeal. So let me encourage you to, to get up and do whatever makes you feel zealous. And as you're doing it, the, the zeal of God is, is, will start to fulfill and eat you up, if you like. So you just come to worship and I'm going to be one of those people that lifts up my hands. Oh, scary. But as you do it, you go, oh, I, wow. Oh, yeah, I, it makes me feel good. I'm going to be one of those people that serves out in the kids. And, you, you know, we all go, oh, I don't know if I want to do it. But every time I do it, i just like, I love doing this. Oh, these, these are kids. They're adorable. They, they fire me up. And I'm going, oh, I want to know. As soon as you do it, you want to do it more. It's like, oh, I'll do this. This is great. As soon as you come to church, you think, I'll come again. But when you didn't go to church and you laid in bed on Sunday mornings, you thought, who'd want to go to church on Sunday morning? But now you start coming, you go, I like it. I'm I'm going to come again. I'm going to come again. Next thing you know, you've been coming for 30 years. By moving, by allowing the zeal to, to move you, you become zealous. The Lord says in 1 Corinthians 14, 1, pursue love and be zealous for spiritual gifts. 
Be zealous for spiritual gifts. Be zealous to use the gifts God has given you. Are you casual about speaking in tongues and prophecy and healing? It says, be zealous. Use the gifts. Get involved. Go and pray for someone who's sick. That'll get you on fire. So we've just got to get out there and move. A zealous person is a person who prays, thinks about God, reads the Bible, has a humble, teachable attitude. We're zealous to, to be pure. We're zealous to, not those words, stop those words, but let those ones out. You know what I'm saying? Not awful, not angry. We're zealous to be corrected. Tell me, tell me. I've had people come up to me and say, tell me, how can I be a better Christian? Just tell me anything. I want, I want to be better. That's a good attitude. Zealous to be corrected, zealous to, to worship, to come to church, to serve in church, to obey God, to, to witness. There's so much that we can do. There's so much that we can do. Let me encourage you, like that scripture says, to just be zealous. Can I have the band come up? Be zealous for God. Come on, church. I want you to have a think about this. I want you to have a think about uh, putting on that, that clothing of zeal. What's that going to look like for you? What's that going to look like for you? What's it going to look like? Come on, just decide. Decide right now. I'm going to be like that. Deliver me from asbestos, Lord God. I don't want it in my world. I don't want it in my heart. I want to be full on for you. Let me read you a poem that my beloved C.T. Studd, who I look forward to meeting. That's the other exciting thing. We're going to heaven. It's going to be awesome. You get to meet all these guys. I'm going to have fun chatting to him. He wrote a poem. I can't read it all to you. It's too long. So I'll just read about three verses just while the band plays. So this is C.T. Studd. Two little lines I heard one day travelling along life's busy way bringing conviction to my heart and from my mind would not depart. Only one life will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. Only one life, a few brief years, each with its burdens, hopes and fears, each with its days I must fulfil, living for self or for his will. Only one life, will soon be past. Only what's done for Christ will last. When this bright world would tempt me sore, when Satan would a victory score, when self would seek to have its own way, then help me, Lord, with joy to say, only one life will soon be past. Only what's done for Christ will last. Oh, let my love with fervour burn and from this world now let me turn, living for thee and thee alone bringing thee pleasure on thy throne. Only one life will soon be past. Only what's done for Christ will last. Only one life, yes, only one. Now let me say, thy will be done. And when at last I'll hear the call, I know I'll say it was worth it all. Only one life will soon be past. Only what's done for Christ will last. Come on, church, let's pray. We hope you've enjoyed this week's sermon. For more information or to contact us, visit c3church.narara.net.